0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar Kareem. Amma abad. Alhamdulillah. Tonight is the 2nd of July in the year 2023. Alhamdulillah. We moved on to the 69th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the Eminent Companion. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiya Allah. And I'm on the subsection in which I'm highlighting the taqleed of Abu Musa with regards to this great company. So in another report, it mentions Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiya Allah, he once visited Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashir, radiya Allah, when it was time for salah, Abu Musa asked Ibn Mas'ud, Please lead the Salah, as you are older and you have more knowledge. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud replied, No, you lead the Salah, for this is your dwelling and your praying area. You should therefore lead the Salah. Abu Musa then led the Salah, Abu Musa stepped forward and removed his sandals. After he completed the salah, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud asked, why did you take off your sandals? Were you in the sacred valley of Tua? So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Ahmed in his Mus'nad 1-461, Abdul Razak in his al Musannaf 1-386, Ibn Abu Shaybah in his Al Musannaf 2 418 with a Sahih chain of Al Haythami in Majma Az-Zawaid volume 2, page 66, comments upon the chain of narrators. the Sahaba, volume 4, page 599 of the New English translation. So, Abdullah ibn Masood, he's the guest, he's visiting. And when he enters Abu Musa's dwelling, Abu Musa said, Please lead the prayer. <laughs> he goes, You are older and you've got more knowledge. So Ibn Masood said, no. Because what's the rule? The ruling is, in your own dwelling, you are the imam. Mm-hmm. In your place of authority, you are the imam. Because you lead the prayer. In other words, this is your jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So Abu Musa led the prayer. But before he led the prayer, he took off his sandals. Mm-hmm. So Ibn Masood, after the salat, he said to him, why did you take off your sandals? Were you in the sacred valley of Tuwa? So what was he referring to? Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who was obviously referring to the sacred verse in which the Almighty and Glorious subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs his beloved messenger Musa a.s. A.s. in Surah Taha Surah 20 verse 12 Audhi the Allahi shaitan wa rejim Inna ka bil tuwa Take off your sandals, for you are in the sacred valley of Tu'a. So now the question, why did Abu Musa take off his sandals? Maybe they were on a journey at the time, and the taking off the sandals would have caused hardship to the worshippers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So note the beautiful relationship they had. Abu Musa was always following Ibn Masud. But when he did something which was not correct according to Ibn Masud, he wouldn't respond in any negative. <laughs> All he said was, Take off why did you take off your sandals? Were you in the sacred valley of Tu'a? And of course he's referring to the verse which I've mentioned, in which Allah t'ala instructed Musa alayhua, take off your sandals, you are in the sacred valley of Tu'a. Well, like I mentioned, this may be there may have been a reason. On another occasion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said to Abu Musa al Ashari, Ya Abu Musa, you know full well that the Sunnah is for the owner of the dwelling to lead the prayer. However, Abu Musa on this occasion refused to step forward until one of their servants went forward. This is in Tabrani al haythami in Majma al-Zawait stated Sahih Hayat al-Sahaba volume 4 page 599 of the New English Translation so this was another occasion so Abu Musa is told to lead the prayer because this is your dwelling but Abu Musa out of veneration he couldn't do it so what a strange scenario that one of the servants led the prayer so imagine a servant goes forward Hatabi, want of a better word and behind him is Ibn Mas'ud and Abu Musa adiyallahu confirming further in Abdul Razak, in his Al Musallaf, Kanzul Umal, volume 4, page 246, Ayad al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 598 of the New English Translation, Abu Sa'id, the slave of Banu Usaid tribe, he said, I prepared a meal one day and I invited Abu Dharr, Hudayfa and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So now look how strange. I've used the word slave. <laughs> so... Look how strange. the slaves invited companions. So imagine mentioning that to the modern mindset. The slaves know what? He's invited. So this shows that this is a polluted word in the modern mindset. A slave, you know, like you say servant. But they have rights. And one of the rights is you eat what they eat. Yeah. Or they eat from what you eat. So this, and this also shows how much they love the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. They were, you know, like in shackles and chains thinking, you know, what have our masters done to us? So he prepared a meal, imagine a slave, Abu Sa'id, and he's invited three companions, three famous Sahab, Abu Dhar, Hudayfa, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. When the time of salat arrived, Abu Dharr عنه, stepped forward to lead the salat. Hudayfa thereupon said to him, "Raddiillah, step back, for the owner of the dwelling is more entitled to lead the salah." In other words, we don't mind you leading, but not here because the owner of the dwelling has got the greatest right. Abu Dharr Raddiillah then turned to Ibn Masud and he asked, "Is that correct, or Ibn Masud?" Raddiillah. When Abdullah Ibn Masud said yes. Abu Dhar stepped back. They then put me, Abu Sa'id, the slave forward to lead the prayer. I reluctantly thus led them in salah. <laughs> so now we how Three senior companions. Abu Dhar, Hudayfa, Ibn Masud. Who were they going to for clarification? Ibn Masud. So Abu Dhar steps forward. But so says, no, the owner of the dwelling is more entitled. He then asked Ibn Masud for confirmation. He goes, that's correct. Then look how strange. The slave now goes forward. He goes, I didn't want to go forward with him. What's happened? Then he goes, I'm leading them in prayer. The three senior companions of the Prophet Wasallam. So note, these narrations indicate he was doing, or the companions were following Ibn Masud. Whatever he said, they followed. The he Harita ibn Mudarrab Rahmatullah he did it. Sayyidina Ibn Masud and Sayyidina Abu Musa radiil al Qum al left. Sayyidina Sa'id ibn al-As, whilst the ikam of, of Salat was called. Ibn Masud offered two raqats and then joined the people in Salat. But Abu Musa entered the roq without offering the two raqats. So let's look at this. So, this is an Ibn Abi Shaiba in his Al Musannaf and Sheikh An Nimawi in his as Sunan, number 722, with the Sahih can transmission. So, it's the Fajr prayer. The Fajr obligatory prayer has started. So, two companions, Ibn Mas'ud Abu Musa, they came. Ibn Mas'ud, even though the prayer started, Fajr prayer, he offers two rakats. <laughs> So those two rakats of the Sunnah press, the, the stress Sunnah of Fajr. Abu Musa didn't offer those two rakats. He just joined immediately with the Farad prayer. Nobody found fault with either. Now why is this an important report? Because there's a difference of opinion. The Hanafis and the Malikis, I believe, Muhammad, they state that if the Farad the Fajr prayer has started, and you have not offered your 2 rakat sunnah, you should preferably offer the 2 rakat sunnah outside of the prayer hall. Mm. And if there's no place outside the prayer hall, then in the corner of the masjid, as long as you know, you'll be able to catch the Fajr prayer. Mm. But if there's a danger of you thinking, I'm going to miss the Fajr of obligatory prayer, then the Hanafi's and Maliki said, no, you just join. Mm. You have to you know omit the two raqat sunnah. The Shafis and Hambalis Rahimahumullah, they said no. As soon as the farad prayer starts, there is no prayer. You just join. So why have they differed? Because there's a very famous hadith, the hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim, where the Prophet said, When the iqamat is pronounced, there is no prayer except the obligatory prayer. When the iqamah is pronounced, there is no prayer except the obligatory prayer. So apparently this Sahih hadith is in line with Imam Abu, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad. Because they state, look, there it is, it's clear. Mm. How do Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik interpret this hadith? Mm. They state the Prophet was referred into the prayer hall. So when he said there is no obli- there is no when the ikamat is pronounced there is no obligatory, there is no prayer except the obligatory prayer he was talking about the prayer hall. <laughs> and that's why the Hanafis and Maliki state offer it outside. Mm. But if there is no place to offer it outside do it right in the corner. Mm. The Shafi's and Hanbali's take the hadith as it is. So there's the difference. Now keeping that in mind let's go back to this report. This is the beauty of the saab. <laughs> The Fajr prayer started. Abdullah ibn Masood, what does he do? He offers the two Rakats prayer. So what is that? who is that approved for? The understanding of the Hanafis. Abu Musa doesn't. He just joins the Fajr prayer. Who is that? That's the understanding of the Shafi's and Hanbali's. Did ibn Masood find fault with Abu Musa? Did Abu Musa find fault with ibn Masood? No. So, this proves that both ways are valid. And the tragedy now is people will call the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. And they'll say, Brother, you went against the hadith. What hadith, brother? Because did you pray sunnah when the farad was taking place? He goes, Yes, because the Prophet said, There is no prayer when the ikamat is announced except the farad prayer. And then you say, With all respect, uh, do you think Ibn Mas'ud knew the hadith? And then they look another with that confused look. Why are you asking me about Ibn Masud? No, I'm just asking. Do you think he knew the Hadith? I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he did. He did know it. And guess what he did? He offered, like me, two rakat mm-hmm. But And then they look at you. And they might even then start saying silly things about Ibn Masud. He didn't know the Hadith. Then you say, look, brother, stop talking. First of all, your understanding is erroneous. And secondly, you're slandering Sa'abana. So note again the companions knew the reports, they understood the reports of the Prophet. Mm. In, and also just to add this. Can you offer the two regards Sunnah prayer immediately after the fadad prayer of Fajr? <laughs> so this, this is what you need to know. The two regards Sunnah is so stressed, the Prophet said. Do not leave it even if horses are trampling. Mm. That's actually a hadith. Mm. So the two sunnahs are so stressed the Prophet didn't leave them on a journey as well. So now you've offered the Fardh, Fajr. You haven't prayed the two rakat sunnah. All the scholars agree, all of them, that you sh- the best time to offer those two rakats now is after sunrise. Mm-hmm. So, Ishraq time. Mm because there's a report mentioning that. So how do you offer it? And what's strange? The prayer has now become <laughs> So you've now taken it out of its time into it out of its time but you're following the command of the Prophet So your intention now is to sunnah gaza, fajr. <laughs> That's the best time to offer it. However, it is also permissible to offer the 2 sunnah Immediately after the fajr mm. So where's the proof? Mm. So first the report The hadith is in Tirmidhi is Hasan Rasulullah <laughs> He finishes the fajr prayer As he turns He sees a companion get up So he's, he's prayed But he gets up And he's observing him He's offering the 2 sunnah When he finishes The Prophet calls him Sallallahu <laughs> And then he says this to him, which is very interesting. Which one was your fajr? <laughs> so the Sahaba عنك, said, Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu you stress these two rakats so much. I didn't offer them before the Fadud, so I've offered them now. The Prophet remained silent. So the scholars say, his silence shows permissibility, mm-hmm. but his statement shows dislike. Mm-hmm. What was his statement? Which one was your fajr? (laughs) That means he he wasn't happy with the... Because he knew he was offering the two rakats. So, why is that important to highlight? Because if you are in a rush, maybe you need to go to work. (laughs) Or you think, I'm not going to stay up till I You know what? I've got to wait another half an hour now to pray my two rakats. So obviously, there's so many reasons you can give. Respectfully, in that case, offer the two rakats. But with all respect, Offered it somewhere hidden from the people. Why? Because you don't want to cause fitna. So a lot of people haven't got knowledge. So if you offer it in the prayer hall, a guy, you know the guy's going to approach you, walk over to you. Brother, what are you doing? Right? And then he goes, I'm, I'm praying my surat. It's Makruh, brother. There is no salat after the farad until sunrise. He's right. <coughs> but then you think, why did you pray that? Right? So unless you know people, know, So again, this is practical because it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So to reiterate, it's better to offer it before. If you can catch the prayer, you can offer it according to two of the imams still. But after the farad, there's a difference of opinion. It's better to offer it at the time of ishraq, If not, immediately, we we'll do it privately. Another difference. ibn He relates. Sayyidina Abu Musa he was asked about a case where there were a daughter a son's daughter and a sister to inherit. So don't worry, it's not complicated. A person's died. Who is now going to inherit? Three people. His daughter, his granddaughter, his son's daughter and a sister. So somebody came to Abu Musa Abu Musa said, the daughter and sister gets half. i.e., the inheritance, the son's daughter receives nothing. Go to Ibn Mas'ud, I'm sure he'll agree with me. So Abu Musa, what was his ruling? He basically said, the granddaughter gets nothing. Half goes to the daughter, half goes to the sister. Then he goes go to Ibn Masud, because I'm sure he'll agree. When Ibn Masud was asked and informed what Abu Musa said his response "Then I must be in error and not one of those rightly guided I will now decide concerning the matter just as Rasulullah decreed the daughter gets half the granddaughter, the son's daughter, gets one-sixth, making two-thirds, and what remains, i.e. the third, goes to the sister. So stop in the report. He could have said Abu Musa should not have given that ruling. He didn't have knowledge. All he said was, look how humble he was, Ibn Masood. He goes, I must be uh, I must be an error. And then he goes, Rasulullah, he decided like this. So Alaihi we then returned to Abu Musa, okay. Interesting, people like doing this. <laughs> they go to one because we then returned to Abu Musa. And when we informed him, because we were looking at Ibrahim Masood, uh, uh, because, uh, Abu Musa and Abu Musa, look what he said, subhanallah. La tas'aluni ma madama had al hibrufikum. Do not bother asking me, just as long as this ocean is amongst you. <laughs> why are you coming to me because <laughs> there's an ocean like you say did you come to the river or the stream when you go on ocean so now where is this recorded this is recorded in Sahih Bukhari number 6736 Tirmidhi number 2100 ibn imagine number 2721 ahmad in his musnad 7-389 darimi number 2890 Mishkat number 3059 in the chapter on inheritance Ibn al-Sa'ad in his tabaqat, volume 4, page 160, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 809, relate similar. So now, why am I mentioning all these reports? I'm proving from these and many other reports that you can clearly see that Abu Musa, radiya was performing taqlid of Abdullah Ibn Masood. <laughs> Have you understood? <laughs> he was just following him. They didn't ask him for any evidence. He just says, look, he's the ocean, go to him. He's the Heber. He's the most learned. <laughs> Thus, the majority of the Muslim world also performed the of the four honorable Imams of the Salaf. <laughs> Hence, how strange that many label this as a bid'ah. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us from all forms of deviation and misguidance. I mean so think about that. You know this is a good question. A person embraces Islam, let's say. And then he starts hearing these labels. He goes, Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, humble. So he's thinking, I thought Islam was straightforward. So then you say to that brother look, no don't worry. It sounds strange, but all this means is that you're following these learned men, their understanding of the Quran and Sunnah you're going through scholarship. So you're not following them. Have you understood? This is a misnomer. When you say you're Hanafi, it doesn't mean you've left the Quran and Sunnah. It means you're going through their understanding of the Quran and Sunnah. Have you understood? When you're Maliki, it doesn't mean you've left the Quran and Sunnah. It means you're following his understanding of the Quran and Sunnah. And like I mentioned, this is taqlid. But where is the proof? You need proof for that. And this is where people fail he start saying, well, you know, you should do it. This is the right thing to do. But then he goes, yeah, but you just ask your opinion. I'm going direct to the Quran and Sunnah. So the response is, are you acquainted with Abu Musa al-Ashri? <laughs> and then if they say, no, then you explain. He said, look, he was a great companion of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet sallallahu you know, praised him. I'll give you one report. In Ibn saad Sayyidina Ali said, he has been died in knowledge. He was totally died in knowledge. Then he was taken out, Abu Musa, <laughs> He was a great companion. He was made the you know, uh, the governor of Yemen by the Prophet. He was made the governor of uh, of a part of Iraq by Umar, etc. etc. <laughs> so this great companion, he did the of <laughs> Abdullah Ibn Masud. So you could say, are you gonna to say to me that he's not following the Quran and Sunnah? <laughs> A Sahaba of Rasulullah has abandoned the Quran and Sunnah by following a man. So the response is, no. Mm. He's teaching you something there. He's teaching you taqlid. Mm. He's saying, this is part of our understanding of the deen. Why? Because safety lies in that. And sometimes, you're banging your head for no reason. Why? Because everybody does taqlid. Mm. Even those who say, we don't follow Imam Abu Hanifa, we don't follow Imam Shafi, we don't follow Imam Malik, we don't follow Imam Ahmad, they still follow scholars. (laughs) You know, it's this, we follow, we, we, you are sure you follow scholars. And like I mentioned, they got the handful of scholars. Mm. And they're doing 30 them, so why are you having a go at us? You're happy to follow them? Good luck to you. Mm. Their understanding of the Quran and Sunnah, may Allah accept it. We follow these giants of the Ummah, 1200 years of scholarship. So this is why I mentioned these reports here, because they were doing this in the time of the companions of the Prophet. Subhanallah. As salaamu alaykum wa So all I mentioned today was again a few blessed reports indicating the taklid that some of the senior companions were doing with the great Ibn Mas'ud and this is why the majority of Ummad does this now, following the example of the illustrious companions. Are there any questions? سبحانه بيهمدك سبحانك اللهم بيهمدك أشوا لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك سبحان ربك رب الأزهار ما يسيفون السلام عليكم والسلام الله الرحمن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الحق <تصفيق> صدق